Welcome back to Sports Legends of the Carolinas, and thank you for subscribing. I'm your host, Scott Fowler, and on this podcast, we speak with some of my favorite sports icons from the region I've covered for almost 30 years. More than anyone who has ever stood before you, I'm the luckiest guy alive. Lou Gehrig said it and made it famous, but I feel it. Today, we're thrilled to welcome one of the greatest coaches to ever do it, Roy Williams. Coach Williams won three national championships as the head coach of the Tar Heels in 2005, 2009, and 2017. Find something you love to do and call it work. And that's what I was able to do for 48 years. Thanks again for supporting this work. Here's the rest of our conversation. I want to show you a picture. This is uh, from one of my sources in Chapel Hill, and this is a rare shot, I'll describe it, of uh, Coach Rory Williams, who was not a coach then yet, I don't think, with a mustache. <laughs> and oh, so, softball tee. <laughs> what is that? And, and to ex- explain what's going on in this picture. Well, my senior, oh, excuse me, that's my graduate school year. There were only 16 of us in the health and physical education program. And I said, we're not good enough in every sport, any sport, to win the thing, but let's try to win the old, overall campus championship in the intramural points race which means you had to do everything. I oh, mean, okay. I wrestled, Scott. I wrestled. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You I mean, mean, you're getting points like a decathlon yeah, sort of? Every, yeah. You wrestled? Oh, oh I go Lord. downstairs yeah. in, the, in the restroom, and I win the first match by forfeit. The guy didn't show. <laughs> so the second night, I go down there, and the guy looked like me, and I won. Huh. And the third night, I went down there, and the guy didn't show, so I won again by forfeit. Three and I'm in the finals. <laughs> and my roommate walked over to me, and he said, this is not going to be good. And I said, what are you talking He said, he has earmuffs and knee pads. Uh-oh. And come to find out the guy had wrestled at Virginia. He was in law school. And so he, he turned me every which way but loose. But the, So we had we'd gone through the whole year. If we win the softball championship, we're going to win the all-campus, off-campus uh, points championship. Points they have one for residence hall, one for eternity, and one all cam- off-campus. And so for some reason, somebody said, let's – Let's go out there. And those guys right there, they were, that's what's that, six, that's 11 of us. And so we won the whole thing. Really? And in fact, I was a shortstop, second base, and nobody would catch. So I ended up catching. And it was fast pitch softball. Oh, yeah. But I'd caught in Little League. I'd pitch one game and catch the next. So for some reason, somebody challenged me to grow a mustache. Yeah, that's not one of my favorite pictures there either. How long did you have a mustache for? Was that just that grad school year? No, it was just that spring. Mm. When we won the softball championship, oh, okay. the next day I shaved. Oh, I see. Yeah. It was sort of like the hockey playoffs. Yeah, guys. Yeah, so, I got no idea. It's so it's so long ago. I know it's something silly. <laughs> Coach, uh, could you tell us a story as, as to why your son is named Scott? Yeah, you know, I'm a freshman at uh, North Carolina. Started uh, my college career on Friday, September the 13th. His cal- college calendar is a little different that time. Uh, but that year was Charlie Scott's junior year, and it, he put on the most amazing exhibition of basketball I'd ever seen in my life. And still, maybe to this day, I've never seen anybody do the things that Charlie did that year. It was just uh, off the charts. Charlie Scott with the ball on the floor. Charlie Scott with a circus shot. And yet, I'm on the freshman team, and you know we had eight guys on the freshman team that ended up playing some on the varsity. I wasn't one of those, and which was okay because I loved it. And But I'd go to practice, varsity coming out, or I'd be coming out when they're coming in, and Charlie a lot of time, and I'd say hello, and he'd say hello. And I saw what 
uh, he did that year, uh, like I say, was just phenomenal. 40 in the uh, Duke game in the ACCC tournament makes the last five or six shots to beat Davidson in the NCAAs. And so it was just off the charts. And then the next year, I went to, to the game at State. And uh, uh, that was the year that, you know, Charlie didn't want the player of the year, and I felt like he should have been. And I think it was racially biased by some of the people. And But just the – a couple of the road games that I saw, I used to keep some stats for Coach Smith, what uh, people would be yelling at Charlie. I was just amazed. Here's the first African-American to play basketball in North Carolina, and he put up with a lot of stuff. I always felt like I was always having to prove that I was just as good as other players. And so I admired that part of him. I admired you know, his talent and what he did. And uh, and I liked the name Scott. And so when our uh, first son, our first child was born, it was a boy and we named him Scott. And it was really because of Charlie Scott and the uh, those images that I had of him playing basketball and then hearing the things that, and seeing the things that he put up with, I was just a great deal of admiration for him. I believe you told me once that the first time you ever entered Cameron Indoor Stadium, had nothing to do with basketball, right? <laughs> you sure we got to go here? <laughs> <laughs> I think people will enjoy this image, so go ahead. <laughs> okay, my senior year in high school at uh, Robertson High School right outside of Asheville on the south side in Skyland. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, it was 140 in our graduate class, you know, 600, 700 in the school, so it wasn't very big, but I was – I was I was pretty much the biggest fish in the pond. <laughs> I mean, I was president of the student body. I played basketball and baseball, and I had the lead role in a senior play. I mean, it was, it was just one of those kind of little country boy down in America kind of thing. But my girlfriend was on a square dance team. I'm pretty sure this is where you're going. <laughs> yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah. yeah, my girlfriend was a couple years younger than me, and she was on a square dance team and kept trying to get me to try out for the square dance team. And I really didn't want to do that. But – you know, I did. And so I make the square dance team, which is sort of hilarious. But, <laughs> they had uh, cuts. <laughs> yeah, no yeah, I guess. I guess. <laughs> I, they drew, called, put in the list of names up, and my name was on there. And so we went to the Duke Folk Festival my senior year and in Cameron Indoor Stadium. And uh, uh, Janice Joplin, B.B. Uh, King, um, I forget, Joan Baez. I mean, it was a big That's deal. That's big time. I mean, yeah. it was a big deal. And the square dance team from T.C. <laughs> Robertson High School. And, uh, yeah, so Mrs. Weir was our uh, uh, sponsor, and Miss Weir was great. And when we finished there, so my first time in Cameron Under Stadium, I was a square dancer. That's the bottom line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when we left, she made us the bus driver stop in uh, Chapel Hill. And I'll never forget, we got off the bus. She said, this is where I want you to go to school. And she was really important to me. She was uh, uh, family living and the things that I didn't even have her as a, a teacher, but she was a sponsor of the cheerleaders, and I'd played everything you could do for four years. And and she just said, this is where I want you to go to school. And my high school coach, Buddy Baldwin, was the most important male in my life when I was growing up, and uh, and that's where he wanted me to go. And if He I was had, a graduate also, right? Right. He had mm-hmm. played for Coach Smith on the freshman team. Oh. Coach Smith played uh, – was coaching the freshman team for Frank McGuire. But uh, if it hadn't been for Coach Baldwin, I wouldn't have even gone to college because it was never in my family. And my dad and mom split when I was young. And my dad had 13 brothers and sisters. My mom had 10. And so when we had family reunions, there were hundreds of people. But 
I was the only one in my generation to go to college. Really? And if it hadn't been for Buddy Baldwin, Miss Weir, and Miss Ponder, and Miss Mrs. Baldwin, if it hadn't been for those people, I never would have gone. But yeah, so the first time, <laughs> in fact, even even before that, uh, I took the SAT my junior year, and I did, I evidently did okay. And uh, so my high school English teacher, Mrs. Ponder, wanted me to take it again. But they were on Saturday mornings after Friday night games, you know, and I gave everything. I mean, Saturday morning, I was dead. And uh, so I told her, no, I wasn't going to take it again. And she said, Roy, your score would usually go up 100 to 150 points taking it a second time because of the more schooling that you had and experience. And I said, quote, I'll never get this way. I said, Ms. Baldwin, will that get me into North Carolina or Duke? And she said, yes. And I said, I'm not going to take it again. I'm not going to waste a Saturday morning. And I never took it again. Huh. And I've many times in my life, why did why did I say, is this good enough to get me into North Carolina and draw a, <laughs> a period right there? But that was the statement. But uh, me and B.B. King. How about that? On the stage. Well, and so you were there many, many more times after that. And, of course, you came to – you were involved in all those wars in Carmichael and then the Smith Center. And so I'm interested, uh, what was the most gifted team you ever coached as an assistant or as a head coach that did not win a national championship? The 84 team at North Carolina uh, did not win a national championship, and that was the most gifted team I was ever around. As a head coach, uh, our 97 team at Kansas, uh, we lost two games. Uh, we had four guys that were number one draft choices. Uh, and the other one's Jared Hass, who's head coach at Stanford now, so he was a terror defensively and everything. But it was Jock Vaughn, Ray Flafence, Scott Pollard, Paul Pierce. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that team was really good, And but Jared broke his hand. Mm -hmm. And in 2012 at North Carolina as an assistant, as a head coach, when Kendall got hurt, that, that, that team was really, really good too. And so those, uh, but uh, the biggest one would be '84. Michael and, uh, Worthy, not Worthy, but Michael. Oh no, and, Worthy was gone. Yeah, right, but yeah. Michael and Sam Perkins and uh, Kenny Smith and Joe Wolf and Brad Darty. I mean, there's five guys on that team that ended up being number one draft choices. Mm. Yes, I was in school during that time, so I remember mm -hmm. it well. Yeah, but you got the same color hair as I do right now, so we're just, <laughs> we're, we're the same I've, room, boy. I've definitely, <laughs> I've definitely caught up to you. Um, people always asked facetiously, but um, about where you ever kept those extra timeouts. You did not bring them with you today, but what was your sort of philosophy on people always? Oh, uh, old Roy doesn't call enough timeouts. He doesn't stop the run. So what was that all about? Right now, I'm so stubborn. I don't care. We won some freaking games. How many games <laughs> you, would you have won? You know, the way I did it my way. <laughs> Frank, yeah, Frank 903 Sinatra, is pretty good. Yeah. Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. <laughs> it started out because I knew we were going to be prepared. I didn't have to call timeout. Regardless of what you did, we were prepared. So why should I call a timeout to get help you get your team prepared? Uh, and one example, the best example is in uh, 17. We're playing Kentucky. Malik Monk makes that tremendously difficult three to tie the game. This is the game to go to the final four. Monk to tie it. Oh, an impossible shot. We get the ball out of bounds, get it in quickly. We go down. Theo makes a pass. Luke May makes a shot. We go to the final four. Looks up. Driving in. May for the win. 
with 0.3 seconds to go. John Calipari's, we're leaving. We walk out together. John's a good friend. I mean, I love coaches. They're my favorite people. But he said, I was trying to call a timeout. I knew you weren't going to call a timeout. I wanted to get the defense set, but you got it in so fast. And that was it. You know, so anytime anybody said, I wish I'd had a tape recorder under my uh, shirt and I'd pulled it out and said, John, repeat that. So anytime any <laughs> idiot asks that question, I'd just say that. But uh, <laughs> but at the end, Scott, I'll tell you this, sometimes I wouldn't call it just so I'd give him something to talk about. No way. Oh, he would Really? You somebody are stubborn. Said, oh, somebody said, you want to call a time? I said, no, let's give him something to talk about. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but that's exactly the way it was. But just that play right there personified truly what I believed, that we were prepared. I didn't need to call a time. That's just like my last year coaching uh, in Asheville against, uh, I think it was uh, Vegas. I mean, they got us 13 to nothing in the first game, the second game, but it was the first game in that tournament, which was supposed to be in Maui. And uh, so then there was a TV timeout. And they came over. I said, do you think I'm going to call a timeout? I didn't put us in this spot. You guys were screwed it up. <laughs> you know? But so uh, the biggest answer question is that we knew what we were going to do. I didn't need to call a timeout because mm-hmm. that's what we practiced for. We practiced two and a half hours every day. And then the second was at the end, I did it sometimes just so it gave them some people to talk about. Did you um, – you were – in the stands, uh, in person with Hubert, I, I don't know, most of the games last year, right, would you I say? I saw every right. home game, uh, every game in the ACC tournament, every game in the NCAA tournament in uh, Louisville at Louisville. Okay. And uh, the Hall of Fame Classic. Up okay. In, uh, so at least two-thirds of them, maybe oh, yeah. more. Yeah. 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 Did you um, – but if I'm remembering right, Coach Smith generally did not come, right? And I don't think – I think Coach K has said he's not going to go – maybe this year with John Shire. Uh, what, what made you decide, you know, let, let's do it? Obviously, it worked out fine, but yeah. why? I wanted uh, people to know that uh, I was Hubert Davis's biggest fan. Mm-hmm. I was the University of North Carolina's biggest fan. I was all in. Mm-hmm. That was part of it. Second part, I love North Carolina basketball. Every one of those players, with the exception of Brady, I recruited. I wanted them to know I was still there. I mean, it just, we sort of fell into this that Caleb Love would – reach up and, and slap my hand as he was going out on the court. And we didn't talk about that. It just sort of happened. But all of a sudden, I looked forward to that and I had people ask me about that. But so it was the kids. It was the school. It was Hubert. And then the other thing, shoot, is I just enjoy watching the games. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really did. I, I I said, gosh, they do that all the time. Wanda says, you've never paid attention. I mean, they're doing do something. What? You know, the, well, the co- hiding the basketball underneath the thing. I knew never knew they did it. I knew oh, they yeah. did it at football games, and they'd play something during the course of the game. I, mean, I went to the Kansas-Iowa uh, State game last year at Kansas. Mm-hmm. First time I'd been in the field house since I left. Wow. It's the first time I've ever listened to the rock chalk chant. Really? I'd never heard it in my entire life. You know, because I was busy. And so I enjoyed being a fan uh, was a big part of it, too. Hmm. I wonder what it's like, Coach, to be Roy Williams. Uh, we're talking about being in the fans. You, I've seen you many, many times with people. You're very genuine. You're very gracious. But I feel like that's it would wear on me. Hmm. Would, does it wear on you to be Roy Williams and, and have people always approaching you? Uh, three times in my entire life. And all three times was my family. Somebody tried to get in the way of my family. My son, after a game, somebody sort of grabbed me and turned me around when he was playing in high school. And 
he was not a, a great high school player, but he loved the game of basketball. They won a state championship his senior year, and he became a walk-on in North Carolina. But I'm trying to talk to him at the end of a game before he goes in the locker room, and he had asked me something, and a guy sort of grabbed me and sort of turned me around. And I turned around, and Scott was going in the locker room, and that really ticked me off. So I blasted the guy. And then another time, same kind of scenario, I was watching my daughter dance because she has owns her own dance studio now. She's like me. She's a coach. She's mm-hmm. a dance instructor. Owns her. And I was, at, she was telling me something about it happened during a dance, and somebody, same kind of thing, sort of pulled me around. And I did. I blasted him again. I said, "I'll do anything, but don't you try to get in the way of my family." And then the third one was a lot more comical. Wanda and I were stopping at an Applebee's on the interstate somewhere because we travel. One of my best friends told me just the last couple of months that I treat going from Asheville to Charleston to Chapel Hill to Pinehurst to Asheville, that I treat that like going to the grocery store. <laughs> so we're on the road a lot, but we stopped at uh, Applebee's, and a lady came over, and I said, yeah, I said, when I finish, I'll sign or do anything. And this lady came over and picked my plate up. No way. And set it away and dropped something down right in front of me to sign. And I said, ma'am, you can wait. And before I could get anything out, Wanda told her, she said, well, I'm leaving. And Wanda said, you think that's our problem? And she picked up the thing, dropped it to the floor, picked my plate up, and set it back down. So those are the only three times. And, she cleared uh, your plate so she could do an autograph? Pl- moved my plate and wow. set down a, a, a menu or something for me to sign. Had to show, But moved my plate. Wow, what were you eating? What was the, what was the meal that well, she was Well, right then I, ate, I was about ready to eat the plate because I was so mad that Wanda, <laughs> wicked Wanda, took she took care of it. <laughs> she took care of it. But the other part is that uh, it doesn't. I like people. And it just this weekend, I had the two grandsons, the oldest two boys, and we'll, people stop and say something about pictures, and we'll say they apologize. And, and I appreciate that. But uh, what would really be the problem is if you walked in a room and people saw you and they went out the other direction. Well, that's true. That would yeah. be the problem. And mm-hmm. the other thing is those are people just like me. I mean, I'm, I'm no different from them. You know, I, uh, I asked Michael Jordan for an autograph one time for Scotty, but you know, it's just those are people just like me. So I try to remember that. You know, you don't ever get starstruck. I don't know the first time you met Nicholas or somebody or yeah, Mr. Nicholas. I uh, sat up on the stage with him for thirty minutes, and I was the only time in my life I've ever been nervous in front of a crowd. Really. I kept calling Mr. Litton Nicholas, and he said, well, call me Jack. I said, I can't do that, Mr. Nicholas. I, I happened to have lunch right beside, sitting beside Arnold Palmer, and I was shaking like a leaf. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, everyone's got that. For me, it would have been Roger Staubach. I was yeah. a big uh, Cowboys fan when I was when I was little. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation, Coach. Uh, it, we just are, are so thrilled to have you. And I guess I'll just I'll leave you with the last word here. If there's any parting thoughts you would like to tell um, the many Tar Heel fans and other people who are listening to this uh, podcast. Well, you know, two things. And I've, I've started saying this a lot the last year and a half. I had a friend, and I'll tell you off there who it is because you know him, gave me a gift. And it was golf balls. And... I opened it. Said, they said, open the sleeve. He didn't bring it. He sent it to somebody. Else. And so open the sleeve, and there's one, some, one of them in each package had a nine, one of them had a three, and one of them had double zero. And uh, I'm looking at it, and I said, I don't get it because it, we won 903 games, not 9,003. And uh, the person that handed it to me said, no, he was the carrier. He, the message carrier said, it's uh, nine Final Fours three national championships and double zero regrets. 
And I thought that was really neat. And I've told a lot of people that I'm as lucky as you can be. And I hope that they're able to do something that they have no regrets like that. And then the, the, the second thing is just that uh, I love soul music. Uh, Michael Jackson, favorite song of all time, Sitting on the Dock of Bay with Otis Redding, Marvin Gaye. I used to write to the games, home games, and wrote the Marvin Gaye song, Let's Get It On. You know, it wasn't exactly basketball he's talking about, but that's what I felt. Let's get it on. Let's right get now. it on. Okay. Yeah. But Luke Bryan has is a country singer because the last ten years I really started really liking country. I didn't like rap and I hated electric hard rock and everything. But so now in my car I've got soul music or country music. But Luke Bryan's got a song by Dirt, and then it's got a line, and I'll paraphrase a little bit. Said, uh, "Find something you love to do and call it work." And that's what I was able to do for 48 years. So I love the Carolina people, the Kansas people. It's uh, I've had a tremendous amount of support over the years, and nobody had it better than Roy Williams. Well, that's Coach Roy Williams. I'm Scott Fowler. Thank you so much for joining us for Sports Legends of the Carolinas. Thank you again for subscribing and supporting local journalism. I'm Scott Fowler, and this is Sports Legends of the Carolinas. This show is produced by Jeff Siner and Kata Stevens, and the director of audio at McClatchy is Davin Coburn. For lots more content and to continue supporting this kind of work, please visit charlotteobserver.com slash sportslegends and consider a digital subscription. Connect with me on Twitter at Scott underscore Fowler or by email at sfowler at charlotteobserver.com. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please share with a friend. See you next week.